Hi, this is David Flower, Senior Pastor at Grantham Church, an intergenerational convergent third-way congregation with the Brethren in Christ U.S., and located in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast and for following the sermons that I and many others preach at Grantham. This is a free podcast, and it'll always be that way, but if you'd like to give and help further the work we're doing for the kingdom, we'd greatly appreciate it. If you want to do that, you can do that by going to granthamchurch.org and clicking on the Giving tab. Whether you're a member of our church or you're listening as a parishioner, it's our greatest desire that you would encounter Jesus and be changed by the good news wherever you are. Anyway, God bless you, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. This is the second Sunday of Advent, and we are continuing our Advent to Christmas series, How Does a Weary World Rejoice? In this series, we want to acknowledge the weariness of our world while also knowing the thrill of hope and the joy of heaven. And so we're creating space for all of our emotions while also finding ways to rejoice and experience the life of Christ amid our weariness. Last week we read about Zechariah and Elizabeth and began our series in a message on the need to acknowledge our weariness. We read about Zechariah and Elizabeth in Luke chapter 1 verses 5 through 23. And this older couple we saw was faithful to God despite their inability to have children. But those years of unanswered prayers and Weariness, as you might imagine, made it difficult for Zechariah to believe the angel's good news that he and Elizabeth would have a child who would prepare the way for the Messiah. And because of Zechariah's hardened heart, he loses his speech until his son John the Baptist is born. And as we'll see today, Elizabeth experienced joy amid her weariness and expressed her joy to God but she kept it to herself and didn't share it with others until she encountered Mary, the soon-to-be mother of Jesus, the long-expected Messiah, the Son of God. It was then that the joy of these two women was made complete and came to full expression in them, which is what we're being invited to see in this second message of our series, We Find Joy in connection. Would you pray with me? Father, we, we come this morning, many of us, with heavy, weary hearts. Father, we've seen a lot of folks pass away in the last couple of weeks. People who've had surprising uh, word from a doctor, bad news, a loved one that's had something unexpected happen to them. Lord, as we anticipate the coming of Christmas and all of the mixture of feelings that we can have about that, we just give it all to you right now, Lord. Jesus, you said that we're to come to you, those who are weary and heavy laden, burdened down by the anxiety and the stresses of life, that you and you alone will give us rest. That's what we want to do right now, Lord. In this message, help us to come to you and help us to give you all that weighs us down and makes us weary so they might receive your joy. For it's in Christ's name that we pray and all God's people said, amen, amen. Hey, before we look at our main scripture reading for today, I want to begin with a short clip from one of my favorite movies, one of my favorite, I have a lot of favorite movies, so this is one of them. 
Castaway. Have you ever seen this movie? Well, um, it came out 23 years ago, so you had your chance. I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but I'm going to show a clip this morning about uh, Tom Hanks, the character who plays Chuck. He's a FedEx troubleshooter who's stranded on an uninhabited island after his plane crashes in the South Pacific. Chuck is alone and he's struggling to stay alive. And in this clip, Chuck, who has no survival training, is trying to make his first fire. Let's, let's watch that together. Now, why would I show you that clip? <laughs> what does it have to do with our focus today on finding joy in connection? Well, it, clearly we can see that Chuck was experiencing joy. Did you see that? He was experiencing joy. And up to this point in the survival, he had not known any joy. <laughs> this is the first time he's expressed any by, while being alone, stranded on this island. So there you go. How does a weary Chuck rejoice? <laughs> he builds his first fire and he says, look what I have created I have created fire. And listen to those words. And I want you to key in on the last part of that clip when he says, Look, look what I have created. I have created fire. Who is he talking to? <laughs> I mean, he's the only person there. But it doesn't stop him from looking around, even across the ocean, as if people could see and hear him and announcing that a good thing that has, ha- has happened to him. And he wanted to share it with everybody. Do you notice that it wasn't enough that he felt 
joy inside for himself. He wanted to share his joy with others. Why? Because that is how God created us. We find joy in connection. Now, the volleyball Wilson that, that sustained him for a little while, right, to keep him sane, to keep him grounded. You saw that in the clip. Wilson, he talked to Wilson quite a bit. Uh, but Wilson isn't enough. We need human connection, even in the midst of our joy. We want to share it with others. So while there's some level of joy that can be experienced alone, and I think we all know this, it is in community and in connection that our joy expands, that our joy grows, our joy is made complete. In other words, joy isn't fully mature when there's no one to share it with. And that's what we see today in our Bible story. If you would, grab your Bible or take a pew Bible in front of you or maybe open it up on your phone to the Gospel of Luke. We're back in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, beginning with verse 24. Remember, this is after Zechariah has heard from the angel, and he was disbelieving at first. Heart hardened and maybe calloused from years of unanswered prayer. Finding it hard to believe, of course, that he and his uh, older wife, way past her childbearing years, would have a son. So he loses his speech, as we said already, and he returns home. And in verse 24, it says, Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and then went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. In verse 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. And and he says, don't be afraid, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He'll be very great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And Mary would have understood this to be the promised Messiah. Verse 33, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? For I am a virgin. Now it seems as if Zechariah's questioning was more out of disbelief. Mary's wondering, how is this possible? I'm not even married yet. How is this going to happen? How is God going to do this? How will it happen? The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you so the baby to be born will be holy and he'll be called the son of god what's more your relative elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age people used to say she was barren but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month for the word of god will never fail and mary responded i am the lord's servant may everything you've said about me come true And the angel left her. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived. And she entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. Verse 41. 
At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. This is marking a new level of life and joy, you see, within Elizabeth. Verse 42, Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Notice Elizabeth blesses Mary out of her own joy. Verse 43, why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? She expresses gratitude in her joy. Verse 44, when I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. And we should notice here, there are four joyous human beings in this scene. (laughs) Four of them. Lastly, verse 45, Elizabeth says to Mary, you are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Notice, despite her own hardships, Elizabeth thinks of Mary. I put this picture up here on the screen for you just so it would help us to imagine the joy that these two women would have experienced. One old, one young, both being given what seems to be almost an impossible thing, a promise that they would have a child and that these children uh, would be involved in God's redemptive plan. And, And they both faced many struggles and challenges with that. Elizabeth being older and barren for so long, and Mary, who's not even fully married yet. Oh, what they must have experienced. Oh, what they must have felt. But then the joy experienced in this scene together. And what is joy? I like how Brene Brown defines it in her book, Atlas of the Heart. She says, joy is an intense feeling of deep spiritual connection, pleasure, and appreciation. Characterized by connection with others or with God, nature, or the universe. Think about that, the connection with God. Even though I told you that's one of my favorite movies, Castaway, one of the things that was glaring to me the very first time I watched it was that in four years being stranded on an uninhabited island, never once does he say anything to God or about God never prays, or anything. And to me, that felt like Hollywood was going out of their way not to do what I think most of us, even people who would be self-proclaimed atheists, would do or would say. Even if it was just to curse God and die, God would come up in that island somewhere over a four-year period. So we have to acknowledge that, that we were created by this God for connection to him. Connection also with nature and God's universe is certainly important, as Brene Brown points out in her definition of joy. But to be clear, brothers and sisters, there is no substitute for what Jesus reveals to us is a way to be a healthy and to live a healthy, joy-filled life. Connecting with God in prayer and his people and worship, this is joy experienced in loving connection with God and with others, expressed in real, tangible ways. That's because joy for the Christian is rooted in faith, love, and hope. You think about that, in its purest form, this comes from Christ. This comes from his gospel. 
It's given to us by the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who is within himself community. A communal God who made us in his communal image. Therefore, we were made for community and connection. We are made for God. We are made for others. It's only in this connection that our joy matures and is made complete. And you can hear that in verses like this one from 2 John chapter 1, verse 12. John wrote, I have much to write to you, as he writes to the church, he says, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. Remember Chuck's character in the movie Castaway, um, the lady he was uh, engaged to be married to, uh, he had drawn a picture of her on a cave wall and kept revisiting it and revisiting it. It was one of the things that kept him alive. You can think about that. Even though that was helpful and even though that brought some sense of joy in his solace and his isolation, even in his misery at times, it wasn't the same thing as being with her. And I think the same applies to us with the Lord and with people. That our joy might be made complete. It's made complete in real connection with God and with people. And so let's not miss this church. You see, the New Testament teaches us that this joy that's discovered and experienced in connection is what leads us to comfort. And that's what, that's what we want, right? To be comforted. And this, this joy can only be experienced uh, and discovered that way to lead us to this comfort. This time of year, we often hear from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 to 11, uh, the promise of God's coming, the promise of his salvation and comfort. And through the prophet Isaiah, we hear God speak tender words of comfort. And this is the same comfort, you see, that we're to give to others and receive from others during this season of longing, of waiting and anticipating our deliverance. You know, that, that can be a hard thing when we ourselves are experiencing darkness. We ourselves are really going through it. And, and I don't mean to make light of that, not at all. But if you think about it, I mean, all of us are going through something, right? All of us are experiencing some sort of hurt or pain or, or trauma from the past. All of us are navigating our sorrows uh, and our troubles, the, the anxiety and the weariness of life. If we all were to simply look inward and think about ourselves, well, who would do the comforting? And it's not just that. I mean, it is a question we should ask and, and, and be mindful of. If we all lived that way, there would be no comfort to give. But the, the wonder and the beauty and the mystery of the gospel as revealed in Jesus is even in the midst of that, even in our lowest the Lord can reveal himself to us and use us to comfort others through our joy. It's really what catches the world's attention, that we might not have any earthly reason to feel joyous, but yet the Lord ignites that fire within us to be able to smile, to be able to hug somebody, to be able to sing, to have hope, to rejoice. This is the promise of God which comes to us through the new covenant that Christ established in his life, his death, and his resurrection. This joy would lead to comfort. It's the promise 
that the prophet Jeremiah voiced in his ministry. In Jeremiah 31 verse 13, we hear him say as he speaks for the Lord, I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and exchange their sorrow for rejoicing. Amen. You see, brothers and sisters, this is the power of God experienced in the gospel, which we have access to through Jesus. And it's through this connection to God and other disciples that we can see our own mourning turn to joy and be comforted during our weariness. And then we can take the joy that's been buried in silence, just as Elizabeth had, and we can let it out with others. And when it is shared with others, you see, and they share their joy with us, we receive God's comfort. Do you want to be comforted? Do you want to be comforted? I know I want to be comforted. (laughs) There's a lot of bad things going on in the world. There's a lot of heaviness, anxiety, and weariness. Do you want to be comforted? If you want to be comforted, then allow that joy in you to come out. See the good. I was talking to a couple of people this morning in the lobby who are experiencing uh, different difficulties in their life. And just being thankful for the little things. The, the ways that God is showing up in the midst of their darkness and the difference that it is making in their life. It's so important. It's so important. Through this connection to God and others, we can see our mourning turn to joy. We can be comforted during our weariness. And then we can take the joy that's been buried in silence. We can let it out. And when it's shared with others, they can share that joy with us. Then we receive God's comfort. With that comfort that we've received, we comfort others. This is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3-4. through 4. He said, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father. Look at this. And the source of all comfort. The source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. Church, may the Holy Spirit enable us to, to then find this joy in connection so that we may receive the comfort of God, that we might then comfort others like us who are also weary and heavy laden. The Lord can help us to do that. As we think about what we've heard from the Scriptures, what we've heard in this message, here are some questions to help us to reflect and respond together. And once again, I've personalized these so that you can ask these questions for yourself. Number one, like Elizabeth, has my joy been buried or hidden away? Am I reluctant to rejoice and be joyful? And if so, why is that? We'll just reflect on that question for just a moment. What is the Lord saying to you? What is the Lord bringing to your mind? Number two. Do I have a healthy connection with God and others? Am I sharing and experiencing joy with other disciples?
And lastly, number three, how is God inviting me to make my joy complete? By drawing near to him and opening myself up to others. And then what's the, what's the one thing that you can do in response to what you've heard? What's one step that you can take to move to greater connection with God and greater connection with others? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Lord, we trust that your Spirit is speaking to us. Regardless of what is going on in our life, where we're at in our journey this morning, what we brought in here into this room, all of our thoughts and our feelings, you can meet us right where we are. We trust, Lord, that you are doing that even now. God, as we continue to reflect on these questions, assessing where we're at, how we're responding to the weariness that we feel, and what we're doing with the joy that we do have, even if it's buried deep down. Lord, would you help us as we begin to take steps of letting that joy out so that we might share it with others and comfort others, help us to begin with gratitude. Help us to begin with thankfulness for the ways in which you are present with us. So Lord, give us the ability, the discernment, to know and to see your good gifts in our life. Help us to see the ways that you want to bless us through family members, through friends, through other congregants, other disciples in this room, through the leadership of this church, through the song choices, through the choir singing, whatever it is that you've placed in our life right now in this moment. Help us to see your hand at work so that we might be thankful. That through it, Lord, we might tap in to your joy. Joy that would give us some solace. Joy that would give us relief. That would lead to comfort. For it's in Christ's name that we pray.